Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. I have, well, you know, I'm uh, Do you have the sitting coronavirus? here at home. You know what? I, I don't know. I, uh, I have a cough. I have some aches. Um, you know, I feel like I'm on the verge of getting the flu or something. My wife has been sick the last couple of days. We're both healthcare workers. We've both been out mm. there um, in, the, in the thick of things. So, so yeah, I would be surprised if our household has, has the Rona. Right. But, uh, but you're, you're the people who are allowed to get it and still have to go to work. Yeah, well, actually, we're not allowed to go to work if we have any symptoms. So okay. I'm trying to decide if I actually have symptoms or if they're in my head. But mm. uh, yeah, if we have any symptoms uh, at all, like we're supposed to self-isolate for 14 days. Okay. Which, uh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're going to vulnerable populations and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Getting nursing homes. So uh, yeah, we got to be careful. And we don't want to wipe out the rest of the, the rest of our departments. Right. So it's only because I was I had heard or read that like hospital workers are encouraged right now to keep working, even if they think they might have it, but just wear masks and take extra precautions. Well, it it would have to it would get to that eventually. Right. Like Mm -hmm. with this policy that they put in place where if you're feeling any sniffly, like got to stay home for two weeks. Uh, Well, I mean, who doesn't feel a little sniffly? Yeah. Over, who isn't going to feel a little sniffly over the next two weeks? Like uh, well, on top of the Rona, there's the flu, there's the cold, there's all sorts of things going around right now. That's a really bad season for sickness. So yeah. everyone's going to have a little scratch in their throat or something. And and then when you're missing like three quarters of your workforce because they're feeling a little sniffly, well, yeah, they're, 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 at some point they're going to have to say, oh no, come back, come back, put on a mask. We need you to work. Like people are dropping like a fly. The, the, uh, I'm concerned because I'm coming, I'm flying back to Canada a week from today from the U S and the Canadian government has said, if you have any symptoms, you're not allowed back in the country. So it's like, well, it's a good thing. I don't have allergies then. Right. Like what if I get the flu or something like I, so I have to be, I have to be immaculate uh, for the next week or else I won't be allowed back in the country. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Well, so, stay healthy. Yeah. Hopefully. So we wanted to talk about coronavirus a bit, but in particular, sort of this, I mean, what's really interesting to me is that no one is pushing back and just taking it for granted as if, of course, the government's allowed to tell us to not leave our homes and to, quote unquote, force us to self-isolate, which, right. I mean, I'm not really planning to. I'm, I'm self-isolated. I've been isolated for about two months just because that's the type of life I tend to live. Um, so I was a hipster for self-isolation. But, you know, I do plan to go buy books and go do things when I'm back in the city. I don't feel like I should be locked down. Um, but everyone's just taking for granted, taking it for granted. Oh, of course, everyone has, we have to shut down the, the world, right? Because yep. of this thing, which, I mean, I understand the premise of flatten the curve. I do, I do agree it makes sense. I'm not denying those things, but I don't think this is the best way to achieve it. But what are your thoughts on as as a libertarian as well on the government just making these directives oh shut down all the restaurants shut down everything yeah well i i made the point uh on twitter on the twitter uh yesterday i think it was that you know while the covid-19 represents a public health hazard so are all the things that the government's doing right you know this idea of a universal um indefinite shutdown or isolation I mean, that will kill people. <laughs> you, like at a certain point, people have to leave their homes and they, they have to conduct business and they have to conduct trade and commerce or mm-hmm. we all die. 
right? That, that's just the, the fact of the matter. So right now what the government's doing is they, they've shut down the economy essentially and they're printing paper and imagining that this is going to somehow lead to human health. Right. No, people being free to interact is what leads to hu- human health. So um, certainly, you know, I, I understand that the worry about uh, overwhelming the healthcare system. And in Canada, we have a super fragile healthcare system because uh, healthcare workers are prohibited from working. You know, like uh, my, I have two daughters that are paramedics. They, they're having trouble picking up chips. They can't find work. I mean, I, they, they would love to go out there and help people. Uh, if they if they were allowed to work for patients, they would be out there working right now. Um, and there's hundreds of thousands of healthcare workers like that. So you know, we're, our healthcare workers are very underutilized, let's say, um, because of the system we have. So yes, it's fragile. Um, so you know, the question is like, here's my worry: we flatten the curve. Okay, let's say we keep things manageable. In the healthcare system, it's, let's say we it, we have to shut down the economy for two or three months, and okay, so everyone stays indoors, economy gets shut down, a portion of of the population gets coronavirus and then develops immunity, but the majority of it doesn't. Okay, now they let us back outdoors again, yeah, and, and now we can start plugging away in the economy again. While the coronavirus is still out there in the wild, it hasn't gone away. So it comes back. We get a new uh, resurgence of it. And this is why, you know, that the health authorities in Canada, yesterday the health authorities were talking about be prepared for 18 months. Yeah. Right? Because this thing could come and go over the next 18 months a number of times. And so what we're doing here is in the name of, of avoiding this catastrophe of, of having a peak that overwhelms the healthcare system uh, over the next month or two, uh, we are prolonging harm for 18 months. So we're flattening the economic curve as well as flattening the viral curve, right? Right. Now, what I would do here in this situation uh, is I would do specific isolation, right? And so, and I, I wouldn't necessarily make it mandatory. I don't think you need to make it mandatory. You know, I think you just send out clear information to the public. So you send out clear information that, listen, old people are at risk. Uh, immunocompromised people are at risk. These people need to be protected with everything you got. Uh, if you're a healthcare worker that looks after these people and you start to feel any little bit of sniffle, the, our advice is to stay away, protect those people build develop systems to protect these people okay keep them isolated in their nursing homes yada yada uh the rest of you you know the, like extra precaution but go about yeah we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna shut down your place uh, a business you, you you guys understand the risks uh and we're, we're gonna treat you like adults here and we'll let you figure out the risk. And some businesses might, you know, limit their capacity by 50% Do in, you know, engage in uh, physical distancing uh, protocols and all that kind of thing. You know, myself, I, I'm not one bit worried about this virus at all. I think that the, like I, I was watching, they don't know what the fatality rate is. Whatever number they're putting out there has to be vastly overblown. Uh, right now, they're saying it's around 3%. Now, if you look at how, the, how they calculate this number, the way they calculate it, the way the World Health Organization calculates it, they're taking the confirmed number of cases, uh, they're taking the, the number of deaths 
confirmed deaths divided by the confirmed number of cases, okay? And that comes up to 3%. Now, if we use that same methodology to determine the death rate, the fatality rate for the common flu this year, confirmed number of deaths from the common flu versus confirmed number of cases, that puts the fatality rate of the common flu at 10%. Right. In other words, based on if we're comparing apples to apples, if we're just looking at the same methodology for calculating both, um, we're, we're, the, the, the flu has a, a fatality rate that's uh, almost five times higher than COVID-19. Okay. Yeah. So that can't be because because they tell us that the flu has only got a fatality rate of 0.1. Right. right? So, so, and, and if we look and I'll just have one more point. And then if we look at the diamond princess uh, uh, cruise ship, we have a closed system where most of the people are over 60 and, you know, out of 700 infected uh, seven people die. So, okay. We have a 1% fatality rate for, a, a very old cohort. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you take that, that same fatality rate and apply it over um, the demographics of the U S the, the fatality rate comes up to somewhere around 0.15 or roughly about the same as the common flu. Okay. So, so th- this thing, the danger of this thing is, you know, it's still more dangerous than the flu, even if it's got the same fatality rate because it spreads a lot more in theory. Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we're going to expect to see a lot more deaths from it. But if what, as a libertarian, I believe in, in uh, managing my own risk and letting individuals manage their own risk, uh, unless there's someone like if they're your client in a nursing home and it's your job to manage their risk for them. Right. Okay. Then you have a, a, a duty to them, but I have a, you know, I have a duty to manage my own risk. And so uh, I, I'm going to take a look at the risk. And I'm going to, you know, I, I, I don't feel at risk at all from this virus. And so I, I should have, I have no problem going to the cinema, going out for dinner, uh, living life as normal, plugging along in the economy as normal. Um, and I suspect most people wouldn't either. Now, a good chunk of us are going to get COVID. I'll probably get COVID if I do that. The same way you and could that's get fine. the flu. Yeah. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm going to develop her, herd immunity. So I would prefer to, and, and so if we let people manage their own risks, and if we remove these ridiculous prohibitions on healthcare, let, let's just lift the Health Canada Act. Let's even just do a three-month moratorium where provinces you're allowed to do, use whatever healthcare system you want, like let people off the hook. Uh, right. Minnesota, for example, uh, they lifted their uh, regulations on paramedics for a five-day period to test out if, if it would work because their systems were getting overwhelmed. So, or they were worried about them getting overwhelmed. So they said anyone can drive an ambulance. Anyone who has a regular driver's license can drive an ambulance for the next five days. Uh, people who have been paramedics in the past been registered, can come back to work, no problem. Uh, paramedics don't have to do uh, all the paperwork that they normally have to do. See, this is what makes a, the healthcare system fragile for us healthcare yeah. workers. We, we spend the majority of our time doing paperwork and a minority of our time looking after patients. So if you want to talk about critical capacity, let's not talk about ventilators, okay? The number of ventilators to me is, is not the huge issue. The issue is the amount of bureaucratic BS they have us doing. Uh, I can replace a ventilator with a person and a, and something called a bag valve mask. It's just a bag that you squeeze that 
You know, mm -hmm. this is what we use on the ambulance because our transport times are usually short, right? So all you need is some manpower to squeeze the bag. You, you can teach someone to do this in about five minutes. So if, you know, worst case scenario, you can have people doing bag valve mass ventilation. So th this panic we have, we can adapt, improvise, overcome. If you just let the, get, take the reins off of us and let us do our job. And, you know, my daughters will be, will be ventilate your patients, your family members for cash, right? Like right. I mean, there's all sorts of solutions available here. Uh, I would rather just rip the bandaid off than have this prolonged, slow agony of death. I yeah. mean, this is going to kill the economy. How many fatalities, how many morbidities are going to come out of this is unknowable, really. Yeah. So you threw a lot out there. I appreciate it. Yeah, I do sorry. want to respond to a few key points. So just briefly, I want uh, on the death rate. Um, Dr. Amish uh, Delja, I think is his name. He's um, an expert out of John Hopkins. He says the best place to look for any sort of actual death rate data is South Korea, ex basically exclusively because they've been really good at ramping up testing of everyone. And that shows that the death rate is somewhere around 1%. And that's really, right. he, he was on the Sam Harris podcast uh, recently. And he said that's basically the only data he's looking at right now because they're actually testing en masse. And so they have proper data, but a more recent number I heard was 1.4% as well. So it's definitely in that range. So it's still more deadly than the flu apparently, um, but it's not this sort of catastrophe. But that being said, you know, 1%, if they're saying that, you know, two thirds of Americans get it and 1%, but, but, that's but still again, a lot of people. Yeah, but again, those, those death rates uh, in Korea, I'm guessing are based on confirmed cases versus confirmed deaths right right but he's saying and that they're testing a lot of people so they have test, a lot right so they're so, having so a the, lot so, more and, confirmed and cases. so the fatality rates look a lot lower mm -hmm. there because they're testing more people right but what if they're still only testing 25 percent or 10 percent right. of the people no that death fair. rate then goes even lower than that right and yeah. this and this is what uh, one of the best medical researchers just wrote an article alex epstein posted it um, and it talked about, you know, the best case we have right now is the Diamond Princess cruise ship. And it's a small sample size. So we and, and it's an older population. So we have to take it uh, with the, the, there's a sensitivity in either direction. And so he was saying that the, the death rate could be as low as 0.05, like even less right. than the common flu, or it could go up to 1%. Um, yeah, so, and I think so that's it's somewhere range. in that range of yeah. zero five to one percent, and and so but, I I tend to think that is probably right, and I tend to think that there are a lot more people out there that have it that are mm -hmm. never going to get tested than we know about. So um, I think that's true. So but I think I think when this all shakes out, I think that the fatality rate is going to be roughly that of the flu, and I think it's still going to be a more deadly virus because more people are going to get it. Right. Um, well, and that's, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like 1% of, you know, 60% of the world is still a lot of people. Right. But that's right. why you get this catastrophizing. This is our world war I've heard. And it's like, not yes, quite, yes. but, but going back to your other points, I think there's two <clears throat> key aspects that we need to discuss. Um, one is like, people will call you and I basically pieces of shit assholes. How dare we right. claim, Oh, we don't care about our health which they might think is stupid, but leaving that aside, like, oh, but like, it's the good of everyone, right? You have to care about the good of everyone. And that's really egalitarianism and altruism, sure. both, right? It's okay, no, there are, you know, at risk people. And so everyone has to shut down the world 
in case those at-risk people might get it, right? And like that is just very much the culture of today, but I don't agree, right? We cannot destroy the world to prevent some people from getting um, from getting the virus. And like you said, people right now don't think we're destroying the world. They're like, oh, coronavirus quarantine diary day six. It's like, okay, but how are we going to feel at day 252, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and they don't understand. It seems like exactly. they don't understand that this is the case. And then, like you said, bringing up the, like, oh, no one's going to work. So we're just going to print money to give everyone money to buy food. It's like, yeah, but that isn't real, right? That's not That's how right, yeah. economy, the economy works. But I really do think this whole idea of everyone has to isolate, it comes from the dual, well, we have to, sh- everyone has to share the burden evenly. Even if the self-isolation for just the vulnerable, peop- vulnerable people would work as well, God forbid we treat already these disenfranchised elderly and sick people that they have to bear the burden while we get to live our lives. That's not fair. We should bear the burden with them. This is society's burden, right? right. And I think that is like a big aspect of the culture. And that's what you see everywhere is, is people kind of, if you want to go about your life, you're a piece of shit, right? <laughs> well, and, and quickly, I'll just mention the other thing that I want to get further thoughts on is, yeah, there's this idea there's as if there's a set capacity of the healthcare system. Oh, this, our healthcare system can run at 10 and only 10. And we have to no, the healthcare system right. can grow and should grow, right? So yes. the US uh, has lifted regulations so doctors can work across state lines. But there's so many other areas where in situations like this, we've talked briefly about the concept of anti-fragile. If it was a free economy, we would have money flowing in because to the system to grow the capacity. But everyone's just taking for granted as if, oh, no, the capacity is 10. We can't make the capacity higher. Um, And one last point that I heard brought up is that the reason this is the case so like clear cut for so many people is because they're so used to not having control of their healthcare system. Generally, they go to the doctor, they're told what to do, right? People don't take their own health seriously. So now this has just been abstracted to like society's health. And so they're just, people are so used to just taking government uh, marching orders in this respect that it just comes about naturally to them. So those are my three. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head, you know, with with regards to this idea that it's uncaring or unfeeling or unempathetic or whatever to not share the suffering. um, Well, (laughs) I, 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 I think it's the other way around. I think the people that are supporting an indefinite universal shutdown are the uncaring, unfeeling people? They, they, they that is what's going to kill these people. I mean, look, let's let's imagine that um, you know the government issues well, an order that I don't know about your circles, but my circles, it's also people who are fairly privileged, right? It's like the Twitter right. sphere are the people who many of them can work from home and still get paid six figures, or like I mean, that's not only the case, but it's largely the case, I think. Yeah, it, well, it's not and the minimum they, they just, wage people trying to struggle to take care of their kids that are sitting on Twitter saying how good this is. Exactly. I mean, think of all the servers, all the workers, all the all the people on the margins, right, that are living yeah. paycheck to paycheck, that are right now trying to figure out how they're going to pay the rent. Okay, all right. Let's say the government can can cover them for a month. Let's say they just print up a bunch of money. All this yeah. new money devalues the currency, making us all poorer. But we get their rent covered. We survive that month. 
okay, how long do you think we can keep that up? How long do you think it is that people can just sit on their couch and everything will be fine? And, and, you know, nothing's getting done. No one's being productive. Like at some point for the sake of the vulnerable, someone needs to go make some food and then bring it to them, right? They have right. to leave the nursing home and figure out how they're going <laughs> to keep things plugging along. And, and so, you know, we, we can't like, and here's my question. Like, what are people get, let's say we're, we're, we're asked to sit on the couch, you know, like, let's say they, they continually have these uh, virus viral breakouts, right? And they keep having to impose shutdowns and bans for a public health emergency over the next 18 months. At some, at some point people are going to recognize that, damn, I can't not make things can't make things meet. I, I can't get my EI checked for some reason. I can't like I'm on hold all day and then on hold the next day. And then they send it to the wrong address. You think that the government, even with them, even if we assume that they have all the money in the world and they can just keep printing it and everything can just run on this magic pixie fairy dust of non-productivity and just, they can just send us magic bits of paper that are going to help us out. Let's mm. assume that's the case. Um, how are you going to get that paper? The government is so inefficient and so swamped and overwhelmed right now. You can't call eight, like people are trying to call eight one one to get health advice. And it's a health link line that, that is set up for people that are concerned. Um, and they're on hold all day. And, you know, uh, my daughter would love to pick up shifts, by the way, on this, because they're looking for volunteers like healthcare workers to staff these lines, but she's prohibited from, uh, working there because they want to keep her in reserve, but then they don't use her. It's just, it's a bureaucratic freaking nightmare. Right. Like it won't. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think these people are somewhat heartless. Like some of us need to get out there. The, the world needs to keep plugging along. Those who are willing to take the risk of getting the virus need to be allowed to go outside and keep this economy running while the right. rest of those that are vulnerable or just regular pearl clutchers sit at home on the couch and protect themselves from uh, this huge threat that they, <laughs> that they, they imagine the viruses. Yeah. I think I, we're not going to get into the entire economic argument, but people seem to just not understand that the economy can't just stop, right? There are many, right. many major issues. If we just tell everyone to stop what they're doing. Right. Right. But it it amazes me that people think that's fine and think that like, Oh, that's yeah. If we, if no one works for a year, like we'll be fine. Nothing will change. Yeah. Everyone will. Still yeah. And eat. I mean, the thing is the grocery stores haven't shut down, which is okay. Right. That's great. I can get my food, but how have, how is that? Like I'm now at the store in a lineup with 200 other people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how is that not a recipe for spreading COVID, right? I right, mean, and you see it's at airports happen one as way well. or another. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's my point. Now, you know, someone made a a point that it's kind of been uh, I've been thinking about a little bit, uh, where he said, "Oh yeah, there's the you know the libertarian position is that um, you I guess you can just go go to a, a party." or whatever, where they're firing guns in the air because the, the likelihood of those bullets hitting you is fairly low, right? So his point was, um, <laughs> we wouldn't have a world where everyone's firing guns off into the air. And, um, you know, that would be, that would be immoral, right? Because we're, I mean, it's kind of like drunk driving or something like that. Uh, we're, we're putting others at risk by that activity. And 
you know, so his point is uh, us going outside and plugging along in the economy, we're putting other people at risk. Because if we have the virus or we're asymptomatic, mm. we are putting others at risk. And there's a valid point to be had there. Um, but the risk of not doing anything is all, is also great. I mean, you can't right. discount that risk. You can't discount the risk of forced isolation. All right. So let's, let's assume that this is the new norm in the world. Let's assume that now that this virus is out there and it mutates every year and every year we have the same thing. Let's even say that the death rate is what the, what the, who says it is, and it's three or 4%. And so it's a huge issue. Wait, and who? this is, this is the, <laughs> yeah. Who? Uh, yeah. That's what I said. Who, <laughs> who says, <laughs> yeah uh, okay abbott and Costello. um so let's so, let's let, let's assume that's the new normal okay do we stay in a universal indefinite or uh sustained isolation at no at some point uh you know it's like um car pollution right okay from a libertarian perspective um the the particulate coming out of the exhaust of a car pollutes lungs okay it's it's a violation of the non-aggression principle in one sense um, because it's violating people's lungs but what we say is and Rothbard has written about this and and everyone the, the everyone is who goes outside and engages in this activity cannot lay a claim to uh, not having be polluted so in other words if going outside I, I take take on the risk of being polluted and of polluting um, then I can't claim that that's a, a rights violation on me if everyone's engaging in the same activity. Okay, so if, if we're all simultaneously accepting the risk of, of being infected and infecting others, um, that's fine. And that's, that's what property is for, right? If you want to stay in a safe place and not take any risks, you got to stay inside. So mm -hmm. that's, that's just the new norm. I mean, it, you know, if it, and it would be the same with shooting guns in the well, air. If there was, if there, the only way you could get around was by shooting guns in the air continually or something like that. I mean, we would still have to go to work and get things done at some right. point, right? And if you didn't want to go out there, you know that everyone outside, the only way they're able to move around is by shooting guns up in the air. Right. I mean, at some point, I'm going to have to go outside. Maybe I'll take precaution. I'll wear a, a helmet or something like that. You know, maybe if I, I go to work, maybe the new norm is I'm going to be wearing an N95 mask and, and rubber gloves or something. Right. But at some point, I need to be able to, to take that risk. Uh, I know that other people are carrying the virus around me and that I may be asymptomatic and carrying it. And, but we got to get this economy going. We can't just sit at home for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like right away, it comes to mind that there are people who before this did exactly that who didn't leave the house ever because they were scared of all germs, right? That, that is like a medical condition of people who are like psychologically fearful of all germs and never leave the house or whatever, right? Um, yeah. But I think, no, I, I think this brings us back to what we were talking about before. I agree with you completely, but many people say, well, that's so selfish of you. It's, yeah, it's not that you don't care and you're willing to take the risks, but you're going to put everyone else at risk because you're a selfish jerk who wants to earn money. And well, no, the, 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 self, the, the selfish right? position is everyone needs to shut the world down because I'm scared. Right. Okay, that's a selfish position. It's like my rights don't stop where your pearl clutching begins, you know? Mm. And, and like your, your fear and your anxiety does not, <laughs> does, is not an excuse to uh, force the rest of the world to shut down. And so 
Um, that's a very selfish position from my perspective. Me, I've got a family. I need to put food on the table. You know, I can claim that I am going out for them. I'm going out for, you know, the people I serve. And, you know, that that's not selfish. So I won't dig into the use of selfishness and this and what is the moral. Sure, yeah, right? I know the selfishness is a you know the trigger word. It's supposed to be a virtue, right? So it is a virtue. Yes, it's, and it and is so, a virtue. And, yeah, yeah, but but regardless, I think that's still essentially. But we can right. say in this case, what's good for me, what's good for you, is also good for the rest of society. Because right. if we stop working, the world shuts down. And so my last question will be. How long until this comes to a head? Because right now, people at large are just accepting an indefinite shutdown. And okay, it's the first week, essentially, in most in you know, Canada and the US. Um, and, you know, the best I heard is that for the next 18 months, we would have to basically isolate two months isolated, one month not isolated as a way to like, uh, keep the yeah. keep us down. So regardless, I don't see people being all, you know, rainbows and sunshine at a month of isolation at two months. When is this going to actually cause issues and and people are going to start pushing back if the government just takes it for granted now? Oh, everyone's self-isolated. This is easy. We can just keep everyone locked down forever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's impacting people right now. I'm seeing people on my social media that are suffering, that are concerned. that that don't know how they're going to pay their bills. It's already affecting people right mm-hmm. now. It, it's just a matter of time before it affects the majority of people and the, you know, the champagne statists that are saying, Oh, we got to flatten the curve. <laughs> don't you science, um, you know, right. it won't be long before they're suffering as well because science says, if you don't go out and get food, you starve. Right. right. So, <laughs> but they um, have six figure salaries from our dollars. These, yeah, uh, but uh, but you know mo- most people don't have unlimited savings either, right? Right. Uh, so yes, the politicians are okay because they have an endless supply of tax money. They're they're going to be the last ones to suffer in all of this. But anyone who has any economically productive job, you know, th- they're not going to be making money either, or it, their company might be funding them while they're off, or you know, the government might require large corporations to continue some sort of salary or stipend uh, while the employees off and their government may claim they'll, they'll bail them out in the end. But again, that can only last so long. How long? Yeah. All all this can only last so long. So at a, at a certain point, people are going to feel the pinch. And when uh, my question is when Tim, I want your prediction. When When is this going to blow up? Well, it's, it's hurting some people right now. So, you know, I suspect that, um, we might be able to last three months before people uh, start getting up in arms about mm. this imposed isolation and, and start, you know, there's already people calling saying this is all BS and this is a hoax and blah, 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 because, you know, I, and so it's just a matter of time before people look around and see, well, like I hardly, I don't think I even know anyone that's had COVID. I don't know anyone that's dying and, and I got to get out there and work. Like, is this really as big an issue? Like people are going to start questioning it. Every, yeah. One right now is, you know, they're, they're sheep. They're, right? And they've been panicked, right? They're sheep that have been panicked. And yeah. it's like, okay, everyone come this way for the, the wolves over there. And at some yeah. point the sheep will go, oh, well, everyone, all the sheep are still here. Yeah. 
Yeah. But at some point it's going to be like, huh, I'm starving. What are, what are we going to do? Right. And we, I mean, yeah. we saw some of this in China, people leaving their houses and going out and like, you know, they were starving and that is a much more um, agreeable culture. Like they, they submit to authority much more readily than even Canadians do. And they were going and, out yeah. there and risking arrests and risking all these things. Right. And here's the other thing, like at a certain point, people are going to recognize that the police aren't going to enforce this these shutdowns and quarantines, right? Well, I mean, I was getting calls to the, to the uh, jail cell because cops were worried about B and E suspects having COVID because they had a bit of a cough and a fever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just two skids and they were, they were freaked out and rightfully so. I mean, they, they're given all, they're, they're get the same information and fear mongering and panic from the media that we do. And so mm-hmm. they're like, geez, do we have some kind of zombie apocalypse in our own cells right here? Like, maybe we should let these guys go. I mean, we, they can come back, right? So, you know, they, they're uh, they're scared too. So, you know, if cops try to enforce this, all you have to do is cough in their general direction <laughs> and they'll go run, running, right? right? So at a certain point, I mean, it's things are going to break down. People are not going to be satisfied with this. They're, they're, they're going to – I predict that if the government tries to impose a shutdown for more than two or three months – we're going to start to see some civil unrest and people disobeying um, authority and, you know, it'll be, it'll, it won't be good. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll end on two, two last notes. One, it's, I think this killed the whole uh, pipeline protest stuff. We're not talking <laughs> yeah, about that anymore. Did, yeah. And two, for anyone who listens to this, who thinks, Tim is a heartless jerk. I'll call attention <laughs> again to the fact that he's on the front lines treating people and what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, yeah, I, I, I left I, him I got speechless. I got you left me speechless. I, I thank you uh, for my service. Yes, thank um, you for your service. I always get Tim. a little uncomfortable when people, you know, praise yeah. me like I'm some kind of vet or whatever. I just, uh, you know, I, I love my job. I do it because I love it, not because I'm a selfless, self-sacrificial person. It just happens that me loving what I do, me loving to take some risks and get out there in the thick of things and restore order to chaos, I get thrills out of that. Um, and people benefit from me getting those thrills. So I don't, uh, you know. Oh, you're too modest, lo- I, Tim. Thank I also you. love I also love bungee jumping and hang gliding. You know, no, <laughs> no one thanks me for my service for on those things because it doesn't necessarily benefit anyone else. But uh, right. uh, you know, I just enjoy uh, you know going into those kinds of situations and so and and I do enjoy well, helping people too. You know, every now and then I get a thank you, and um, you know, people are very thankful. I enjoy people treating with with kindness. I enjoy. Um, you know, going the extra mile for them. Like it, it's, you know, I work for a, a service where we pride ourselves on going the extra mile and we love it. We, we will, you know, uh, like we've gone and repaired roofs in houses that we've, we've gone to an old folks, you know, these two old ladies, their roof is leaking. Um, we can't let that stand. So on days off, we'll go there, we'll repair their roof, you know, uh, just on a call where someone's having a bit of a cough or whatever we'll tidy up their place. We'll put things in order. You know, we'll, we, we go the extra mile. We try mm. to, and, and we get a kick out of that. Again, we love the feeling we get from doing that for other people. And so in one sense, it's kind of selfish because we're doing yeah. it for the feels, but it also benefits these people. Right. And, and we enjoy doing it. So. Yeah. 
Well, the world is benevolent and you and I are both benevolent, despite what many people think so. will think. Well, thanks, Tim. Well, I think if people, people who, are, who see themselves as benevolent um, understood how government works, how the economy works, they would take our position here. I of, agree. We can't enforce a shutdown on everyone, a universal shutdown. We have to be smarter than I, that. Yeah, I've been isolated for, like I said, almost two, basically two months just by coincidence. And so I'm very excited to go interact with humans for the first time in a while. Uh, I, I'm an introvert, so this shutdown has almost not affected me at all because uh, I love to stay home. <laughs> yeah, me but, too for uh, the most part. You know, now that the government is basically enforcing it, I feel like I need to go out. But Well, now you can be an work. introvert in public because no one else is around. So you can That's go true. wherever you want and still be alone. Just cough for uh, <laughs> <laughs> people stay uh, away from me. All right. Thanks, Anyways. Tim. Okay. Thanks, David.